Hey guys, welcome back to the channel. Today we're going to do another Scientology spy files. And in today's document, we're going to be talking about a guy named Eric Geisler. Now, Eric Geisler um, is actually somebody that I have known almost um, since we moved to Los Angeles in 19, I want to say 1979, maybe early 1980 is when um, I met Eric. Um, we were both little kids and my dad worked for his dad and um, or his parents had a company uh, like a makeup uh, hair uh, female accessories uh, company. They sold these little makeup little um, caps that screwed into each other. And then um, they sold like hair um, accessories. And um, so I would say I've known Eric since I was about seven years old. Eric went to Delphi, Oregon, which is a Scientology school in Sheridan, Oregon. And I went to Delphi, Los Angeles. Um, and so we knew each other. A lot of the uh, Delphi kids knew each other. And um, so, yeah, we we stayed in touch um, for a long, for many, many years. Um, our our We were basically revolving in the same circles. And for a while, my mom was actually dating his uncle. So, um, or yeah, his uncle. Yeah. I think his uncle. Yeah. Was, or there was some familial connection for a while as well. And, um, and we, and, um, the uncle lived just a few blocks from where Eric lived. So I'd go over and play at his house and stuff like that. So this person, Eric, um, I knew since I was seven and he, we both went to Scientology schools and then he, um, ended up getting into the, um, film and video industry in Los Angeles. Um, when I went off to work at Golden Era Productions, which is Scientology's media production company in the middle of the California desert. And, uh, I want to say maybe a year or two after I had arrived at Golden Era Productions and was working there, um, Eric had joined the Sea Org, the Sea Organization, signed his billion-year contract, and then he also ended up working at Golden Era Productions in the visual effects department there. And um, so we worked, so we I knew him since I was seven, and then when I was about 15, uh, 16, I went to the international headquarters, and then I worked with him there um, on a pretty regular basis until probably for about 14 years until 2004 when he escaped from the international um, headquarters. And so when I, um, when I escaped afterwards, um, he got in touch with me when I was living in Kansas city. And then he convinced me to move back to Los Angeles from Kansas city and work uh, as a production manager for a company that he was working at. And um, yeah, so that is how, um, that's basically what's leading up to now. So I've been working, I worked at that one production, uh, as a production manager at that one company. And then I went over to another company that he was working at. And that is where I was, it was a visual, we were in the visual effects department of, um, of a movie studio that made um, TV movies of the week for uh, the Hallmark Channel and um, movies like that. And um and Eric was over the visual effects. Um, I think he was over the 3D um, visual effects. 
And um, so, and I was like the, I don't know exactly what you call it or what you would call it, but I was basically the one who um, got all the shots in and then the, got the shots done and then turned them back over to the editing and production team that's uh, editing and producing the movie. Um, and so that's where I was working when this document um, takes place and where Eric starts meeting with the Office of Special Affairs. Now, the person that's meeting with Eric in these documents is a girl by the name of Kirsten. And Kirsten's come up in um, some of the very beginning spy files. Um, she was the one ri writing the reports. And then because things were not getting done and things were getting screwed up, she got kind of taken off of that. And then um, the the commanding officer or the deputy commanding officer of Office of Special Affairs um, then took over writing the reports. So in these documents, um, Kirsten is the one meeting with Eric. And Kirsten's post is the external security chief, Osa Int. And her whole job is to... Um, basically handle threats from people um, against Scientology uh, that are attacking or um, doing anything against Scientology. And the main person that she deals with, 90% of the people that she deals with are Scientologists and ex-Scientologists or ex-Sea Org members. So um, she knows all these people. She's in some cases even worked with some of these people and, um, so, yeah, I knew Kirsten um, when I used to work in Los Angeles. Um, Kirsten's about my age. Um, she might be um, she might even be a little younger than I am, because when I was at um, the uh, the Association for Better Living and Education, which is this Scientology C organization that runs all the front groups, Narconon, Criminana, Applied Scholastics and the Way to Happiness. And Kirsten was working at OSA. The, at that time in 1989. So I've known Kirsten since 1889. So that's, uh, that's all the prep you need for this. And we're going to get into it. Sorry, there's some, some redactions in this. There's some companies and some names in this that I'm, uh, I don't want to say, um, they don't have anything to do with any of this. They it's some people that happen to, um, happen to work with and, um, we're not going to say their the company names or, or uh, the personal names. So if you see, I'll just say um, blank company or blank person in place of the redacted names. Okay, here we go. Okay, so this document is from May first. Um, the same, actually, I think the documents that we did yesterday were also or did last in the last spy files were from May first, and this is a continuation of those. Um, re. Eric Geisler. I spoke with Eric this morning regarding blank company. He said that he got involved in this about six to seven months ago. Blank person had previously approached him, Eric, about going into business together, but he said no, claiming that he told blank person that he, blank person, had been too off the deep end. Um, blank person went off his lines, but then got back in calm with Eric about eight months ago and said that he had chilled out and wanted to know if he was interested in doing some kind of work together. At this time, Eric didn't have anything, but then when he started blank company, he got in calm with blank person and they agreed to go in as investors. Blank Company is a studio that was going out of business. So Eric and two wogs, that's what Scientologists call non-scientists. 
Scientologists. Um, it's like muggles. Um, Blank Company is a studio that was going out of business, so Eric and two wogs got involved putting it back together. It is an animation and SFX studio. Initially, Blank Person put in about 10000 He then started spending more and more money on his own credit cards without any kind of agreement to fix up the studio. Blank Person was insisting on being a partner in the company, which Eric and his WOG partners didn't want do didn't want due to the blank person mental state. Eric said Eric said blank person kept doing things and spending money and that he had not gotten agreement on do, on doing and not got agreement on doing. And that was and that Eric and his two wog partners, Patrick and John, finally said that was it. This was about 3 months ago. They told blank person to stop and he has not been involved since. Eric and the two wogs consulted an attorney as now they say he owes him $43,000 and they are apparently now working out how to pay him off and fully sever their ties with him. The PT scene, that just means the current PT stands for present time. Scientologists love to talk about um, present time. The The PT scene is that Eric is working with an attorney to review how to pay him off. They don't want to pay the full 43000 blank person says they owe him, but they don't want trouble from him either. Eric says his connection to him is now on handling this money situation. Mark Headley also has been involved in some equipment purchases and installation cycles related to blank person a few months ago, but he is not involved anymore. Mark is closely connected to blank person. And Blank Person is mad at Eric for getting rid of him off Blank Company. So there is less calm now between Mark and Eric as well. Okay, so yeah. So basically, um, I was working with Eric and I was working with this Blank Person. And then the Blank Person and Eric had a falling out. And then he uh, stopped working there. But I was still doing all the stuff that I was doing regardless. And... um and and Eric also is kind of painting a little picture like um like he says so there is less calm now between Mark and Eric as well there's that means communication but i would see Eric every single day <laughs> i would talk to him all the time and we would go um we would go out at night we'd go to eat we'd go to dinners on the weekends and um um i would see him all the time so he's painting a little bit of a picture for Scientology so that he doesn't get in trouble and um, and that kind of is a continuous theme um, throughout a bunch of these documents. Okay, let's go to the next page. Otherwise, Eric said that blank person still works at blank and that blank person is working there with him. Blank person number two is working there with him. That's a whole nother blank person. Eric said that blank person and Mark are working together on some other work that Claire was doing with Ellen Prager. When That's another just ex-Sea Org member that used to be at the Ent Base. When they first moved to L.A. last year, Ellen no longer does this. And that Blank Person is involved in Mark's new company. Eric said that he didn't know what Blank Work was and didn't want to know the name of the new company, but it was some kind of multimedia company that does installation work. We know that this is mode. So Scientology has been um, stealing my trash every week. So they know what the company name is. They know all that. And also Eric 100% knew all about this. Um, 
Eric also said that blank person and Mark do installation jobs for another blank company. The last thing that Eric told me was that he knows that doing anything with blank person was a bad move and he regrets having done it. He said that he also doesn't know what the deal is with Mark. He claims he is cutting his line entirely with blank person and has little to do with Mark as he doesn't talk about handling his scene with the church at all. Neither did Eric. Um, Eric said that he spoke with Claire three weeks ago as she was helping him do a refi on his house and she mentioned that she wanted to handle her scene with the church. This was the last time she mentioned this to him. Claire was a real estate agent when we first moved back to California. He also said that Matt and Suzette have told him that they definitely want to get through their steps and back into good standing. Much love, Kirsten, External Security Chief, Osa Int. Okay, so basically Eric is uh, putting on a little show for Kirsten. Um, Eric's mother is a Scientologist. And at this time, Eric was declared a suppressive person. They, When he first escaped, they told him um, if he came back and um, got his sec check, his security check, his interrogation on the E-meter, if he did his sec check and he basically routed out properly, that's basically when you confess all your crimes and tell them a bunch of dirt they can use on you um, so that if you do speak out, they can use that dirt against you. Um, so um, they told him if he came back um, after escaping, they tracked him down. He was in Las Vegas living with his brother. Um, they said, if you come back, uh, route out properly and get a sec check, then we won't uh, declare you a suppressive person and you'll still be able to talk to your mom. And so he did all that and he was waiting for that to be approved. And he was, he, he was, and we, he was back in Los Angeles or he was going b between Los Angeles and um, Las Vegas. And, um, they just declared him anyway. When he was all done, they just said, oh, never mind. You're, you're declared an SP. You can't talk to your mom. <laughs> so he was really mad about that. And then um, so if he, he knows how the game is played. So if he works for OSA, then they'll undeclare him because otherwise he, doesn't, he, he can just be like, no, I'm not going to do anything for you. So um, if he wants to talk to his mom, he's got to work and give them some goods. But at the same time, he doesn't want to be he can't be too in bed with the enemies because then they're going to be like, we're not going to, they're going to do the same thing again. They're going to use all the data from him and then they're going to say, oh, never mind, you're still declared. So he's got to kind of play the, he's got to be a double agent, basically. And um, this right here, I think, is the beginning of his double agent career, which he goes on to have a long and illustrious uh, career as a double agent as the years go on. Okay, the next document. So um, this is amazing because in, if, you've re if you've listened to the other Spy Files videos, um, there's a video that's, there's actually two videos that are floating around at this time. One is a video of Tom Cruise in a black turtleneck and he's being interviewed um, for an event called the International Association of Scientologists. And this event um, every year they give a thing called the Freedom Medal Award, the Religious Freedom Medal Award or Medal of Freedom, whatever. It's a Scientology medal and it's on a uh, like a, a, a necklace or a, a, a lanyard or whatever and a ribbon, a ribbon. And it's got it's a big gold thing like this. Well, in 2004, Tom Cruise got one of those. 
but it was called the Freedom Medal of Valor, and it was a giant one. It looked like, um, what's that guy? Flava Flav. It looked like a Flava Flav uh, clock, and um, and that's what Tom Cruise got. Well, when he got that award. Um, we shot a video for it and that I should do a whole video on that because we actually shot three videos and that video that you've seen on the internet with Tom Cruise talking all kinds of Scientology craziness, um, wearing the black turtleneck, um, that's the video that David Miscavige micromanaged and edited within an inch of its life. And that's the actual video that you see on YouTube. And I'll, I'll put a link to one of them in the description if they're still online somewhere. But um, regardless, that video um, ended up making the rounds. So at the time, Scientology knows that that video is kind of floating around. And then there's another video, in, and it's also from 2004, where Tom Cruise um, had a birthday party aboard the Free Winds, which is the Scientology cruise ship that's located in the Caribbean, that uh, sails around the Caribbean. Um, they threw about a half a million dollar birthday party for Tom Cruise on that uh, cruise ship um, with only the most elite um, circle of David Miscavige and Tom Cruise allowed to attend this thing. And... Um, and that there's a video of that entire birthday party. It was basically a performance of all of Tom Cruise's hit the the like the hit or the theme songs from all his hit movies in the last you know 15 years. And this was in 2004. Um, they performed the Golden Era musicians performed each one of those songs. So they did old time rock and roll. They did. Uh, you know, uh, songs from Interview with the Vampire and Top. They played the Top Gun thing with the crazy guitar solo by one of the Golden Air musician guys. Anyway, they put on a whole concert. If you read my book, I literally detail every single song, who sang it, which one it was, which movie it was from, the whole thing. There's, I, th I want to say there's a whole chapter in the book about it. Um, anyway, so the, the Scientology know that these two videos are floating around. And they think that I'm the one that's leak is that's going to leak them. And I'm the one who has them because I would have 100% had access to them because I worked on both of them. And, um, and I was out and about causing trouble, wreaking havoc on the internet. And, um, the, uh, the funny thing is that in the end, the other people ended up leaking these videos. And I don't even know these. I didn't even know these people at the time. So there was multiple copies of these things floating around. And it was like um, Scientology was playing whack-a-mole with these videos. Because <laughs> every time they think they'd figure out who had it, it would, somebody else would pop up with it. So in this document, um, they find, um, they basically find out um, from um, Inside Edition is one of the people that I spoke to about possibly um, using this video. And um, and they were going to pay me $15,000 to give them this video. But they had the, uh, they play this game with Scientology, and that is um, they, they call Scientology Inside Edition, and they say, hey, we got this video. We're going we're gonna to use it. And, um, and so Scientology has to figure out what, what are they going to do. If they go crazy on Inside Edition, Inside Edition might just say, okay, forget you. We're just going to run it. Or do they say, we're going to sue you. We're going to do all this. But it's like, how can you sue us? Somebody had a video and they gave it to us. What do you, how, what, how, well, anyway. So in this case, Inside Edition decided, hey, listen, we want it. We, we don't want any trouble with you guys. 
but we do want to air this video and we're probably going to air this video. And so Scientology, specifically Corinne Powell and Mike Rinder said, well, you can air the video. We'll let you air the video. That's not a problem. But you got to tell us who gave you the video. And Inside Edition, they don't want to do that either. So, um, and I didn't want to do that. So I was just like, oh, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Anyway, so now in this document, um, there's a new um, development in the in the video um, hunting. Okay, so this is 2 May 2006. It says, confidential eyes only. WDC OSA, DCO external OSA int. Re, BFG. Dear Sir, attached is the memo from Elliot concerning the crime by MH. He confirms that what we know that MH did was a crime. One piece of hot information just gotten, which I am checking out, but sending to you now just in case this name means anything to you. A resource of ours with a line to Inside Edition in New York came back with this information. Per Inside Edition records, the person who offered footage identif him, identified himself as Rick Strickland. He did not want to leave a phone number. He gave an email address of Rick Strick R. Strickland at findnot.com. This is an anonymous remailer. Strickland, quote unquote, was offered 15000 but the deal never went through. I believe this data is legit, and I am checking to see what we can figure out about this name. There is nothing in our data files on this name, but there are over 100 people in the U.S. with this name. Much love, Linda. Okay, so I've never heard of Rick Strickland. I don't know who Rick Strickland is. I don't know anything about any of this, but I think it's hilarious that there's a whole nother person that has a copy of this video. <laughs> And they are also trying to give it to Inside Edition. And Inside Edition is going to give them $15,000 for it. So um, anyway, and Scientology have no clue. And even to this day, I don't know if anybody knows whatever happened with this guy or, or um, where, where he came from or where he went. Okay, now this is the document um, from... Um, Elliot Abelson and Elliot Abelson is a attorney that works with Scientology and he is not a Scientologist. And the funny thing about this document is um, OSA and the lawyers, they only have the information that has been given to them. So they don't know that I got approval to sell the equipment. They don't know the equipment that I was going to sell. Um, was in a dumpster and I took it out of a dumpster and then sold it, um, sold it. So Elliot and Osa, they're working up this whole thing like, oh, we can sue him because he committed this crime, but they don't have any of the actual facts regarding what happened. They only know what's been told to them by the people at the Imp base. So, um, so basically they're doing a bunch of busy work trying to get a case together and the people at the base know there's no case. There's nothing that's ever going to happen to this because that stuff was in the garbage. He took a bunch of trash out of the garbage and sold it. So, so memorandum to Linda Hamill from Elliot Abelson re Mark Headley sale of church equipment on eBay by Headley in December of 2004, January, 2005 date, May 2, 2006. 
Headley is in violation of Penal Code 503, embezzlement. Embezzlement is the fraudulent appropriation of property by a person to whom it had been entrusted. Embezzlement by statute is punishable in the same way that that grand theft, a violation of Penal Code 487, is punished. That punishment is 16 months, two years or three years in state prison, or up to one year in the county jail. To the extent there is any issue of the entrustment of the property to Headley, Penal Code 487 Grand Theft is appropriate. Grand Theft is defined as the taking of another person's property with a value over $400 and is punishable by 16 months, two years or three years in state prison or up to one year in the county jail. The district attorney, if he agreed to file the charges, would file embezzlement and grand theft as separate counts. There appears to be no advantage to being convicted of one section as opposed to the other. As the issue of the value of property, as to the issue of the value of the property, the best evidence would be that he was able to sell the property for $15,490 on eBay. The fact that he attempted to or did put the money back into our account after he was being investigated would not be a defense. If the crime were to be reported, the Riverside Sheriff would be the appropriate agency. There would be some concern over the time delay in reporting the crime. However, the statute of limitations for both crimes is three years. We have good connections with the Riverside District Attorney who would have, a, have discretion in filing the case. They would take into consideration the amount of money at issue, the prior criminal record of the suspect, the method of theft, the strength of the evidence, and the delay. The fact that this was an inside job and against a church would work to our advantage. The personal relationship we have with the district attorney is very helpful. And that's the end of that document. Now, the, there's a few things that are kind of crazy about this. Besides the fact that they're going to try to charge me with grand theft and embezzlement for equipment that I dug out of the garbage and then ended up selling for $15,000. Can you imagine if somebody went through your garbage and made 15 k off of it? Um, that person is a rock star. I know, right? Anyway, um, so they've got this relationship with a district attorney in Riverside County. So uh, the international headquarters is located in, it's actually its own city, but it's called Gilman Hot Springs, California, and it's in the middle of the desert. Now it is located in Riverside County. So it's kind of insane when you think about it, that Scientology has so many things to worry about at that Riverside District Attorney Office that they've established um, good connections with the law enforcement and the Riverside District um, Attorney because they know that there's going to be a lot of craziness happening from all the people that are escaping and the accidents that are happening and the people that were being killed or died or committed. Um, they unalived themselves at the property. Um, so... It is it's it's just it's another one of these things where Scientology 
Um, people ask all the time when we're when I'm talking about these things that happen in Scientology, and they go, how is this not known about by law enforcement and how are they not being prosecuted? It's because Scientology spends millions and millions and millions of dollars on lawyers and on con- getting connected with politicians and law enforcement and all these types of people. And so when something goes sideways, they call up their buddy and their buddy makes it disappear. And um, and it's the attorney, the Scientology attorney that is saying all this. So Scientology, even if it was like, oh, they, they were in with the district attorney and law enforcement. Well, who was? Oh, the private investigators were. They used to be cops. Well, the private investigators are not Scientology. That's right. They work for Scientology. So all these people are cutouts that work for Scientology. So if anything happens, they take the fall and Scientology walks away scot-free. You know, Scientology, when they opened the, um, these organizations in Los Angeles, and there's a document coming up where they, um, they pick out, they select Karen Bass as one of the possible, pe- possible people that they will infiltrate and get on their side so that she can be a, uh, basically a, a, a promoter and a supporter of Scientology. But what they do is they get these um, politicians involved with them, and then when they open one of these organizations, they use that politician to open the organization and that person gives a speech that in most cases they write for them. The politician reads the speech and they shake hands with everybody and they get to meet up with Tom Cruise or John Travolta and they get to shake hands with all the the cool Scientologists. And then Scientology use that in a video that they show to all their people and it makes it look like Scientology is expanding everywhere and the politicians love them and all that good stuff. And then when that video makes it into the outside world and the it basically the politician is the one who takes the hit and Scientology is like, whatever, they already showed it. They already got the juice out of having that connection to that person. So they're fine. Well, one of the other things they use these events for and they use these opportunities for is so they can schmooze with these district attorneys and they can schmooze with these law enforcement people and anyone who basically is in charge of what happens to them when Scientology gets in trouble. So um, it's kind of just like more of the same and um, and you'll be able to we're going to I'll go through some of these other documents that we have. But um, this is a, a sort of a recurring theme throughout almost all of the spy files is that when somebody doesn't want to work with Scientology, they start to dig in to that person and expose them. And then that serves as an example for the next guy. So it's like, oh, yeah, Joe Blow didn't want to work with us. And look what happened to Joe Blow. So uh, maybe you come over and uh, we'll let you tour uh, our facilities or whatever. And then the politician's like, oh, yikes. And that's another thing that Scientology really, really um, utilizes is if you've got secrets, Scientology is going to find out what those secrets are. And that's how they get these people to work with them. It's not because they're awesome. It's because they're the people are afraid of Scientology. They don't, in a lot of cases, they don't want to mess with Scientology. They don't need, they already have enough drama in their life that they don't need Scientology drama in their life. That's a whole another kind of crazy. And so Scientology really use leverage 
blackmail, sort of outing people. And it's almost like we're good, we're good, we're good. And if we're not good, they're like, are we not good? Because, you know, we don't want to not be good. And then the politician's like, oh, no, no, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk to blah, 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 or, you know, whatever it is. So you're going to see that in, in a lot of these documents. And um, it really kind of shows you how Scientology has gotten to where it's gotten. And um, a lot of it is through this Office of Special Affairs. These guys are like the they're making deals and they're uh, they're making things go away and they're making they're getting people to sweep things under the rug for them. OK, so the next page this is the very last page here. And um, this is from Mike Rinder back to the um, deputy commanding officer at Osa Int. And he says it says urgent DCOE Osa Int to May. Dear Linda, I've never heard the name. I suggest you check Matt and Eric Geisler and see if they have heard of it. If it is a pseudonym, can the data about the contact be used? Can't believe we could not have gotten this name weeks ago when we were quote unquote trying to get to the bottom of this. Love, and then it, it doesn't say anything. Um, so yeah, so so Mike evidently... Um, was not too excited about finding out that there's a new player in this whole scheme of things. Also, guys, if you want to find out more about Scientology and all the craziness that happens at the international headquarters, uh, you can go to blownforgood.com and you can get a signed copy, a paperback or a hardback from blownforgood.com. Um, any copies that are bought via blownforgood.com are both signed by my, my wife and myself. And then uh, otherwise you can go to Amazon. You can get them on my book on Kindle. You can get it on um, Audible. And you can pretty much get it where there's uh, any place that sells eBooks. And the name of the book is Blown for Good Behind the Iron Curtain of Scientology. Um, additionally, if you are interested, um, in finding out more about any of these kind of things, or even more about the spy files of Scientology, um, you can click, um, subscribe in, uh, below and, um, you can get notified. You can, uh, click the bell icon and you can get notified when I put out new videos. Um, thank you very much until next time.